the film, Paul, Apostle of Christ, takes a close look at persecution and the challenges in the early Christian church. Even the minor characters reveal how dangerous it was to follow Jesus. Consider these roles listed in the credits. Beaten man, beaten woman, Christian victims one, two, and three. The movie, which came out in 2018, gives a no-holds-barred picture of what it meant to be a believer in the first century and to put one's faith in Jesus, who really mattered without being afraid of temporary suffering. Identifying with Christ came at a high cost, and in much of the world, it's still pretty dangerous to follow Jesus. Even today in our daily lives, some of us may feel belittled or even challenged when we come to share our faith, even when we don't actually say any words if people know that we have a Christian belief. Over the years, I've seen a few videos and movies featuring Jesus. Often during my viewings, I try to place myself as one of the people living at the time Jesus walked on the warm sands of Palestine. And then in 2010, I moved even closer to the action when I travelled to Oberammergau, a small village in the Bavarian Alps in Germany. Oberammergau, as some of you may know, is known for its once-in-a-decade performance of the Passion Play in the Passion Play Theatre. This play has been performed continuously every tenth year since 1634, in thanksgiving for the end of the Black Death Plague. The play runs for approximately five and a half hours, all in German, with an additional inter intermission of three hours, and a meal is served during the intermission. The Passion Play has been exclusively in the hands of the local villagers throughout the 41 decades it has been performed. Around 5,500 people live or reside permanently in the village, and the participants in the play must either be native, Obera native, um, native residents of Oberammergau or have lived in the village for more than 20 years. Each performance has around 2,500 participants, from tiny infants to older people, including next year, when the 2020 performance takes place, Annie Droman, who is 96 and will be the oldest performer on stage. When I attended the Passion Play in 2010, I had a wonderful seat fairly close to centre stage. Throughout the play, I felt I was part of the crowd of hundreds and hundreds on stage in the first century. I watched as Jesus preached to the crowds, as his disciples, a fairly ragged bunch, followed him on his journey, as Jesus betrayed him, as the once adoring crowds turned just like that to the jeering crowds calling for his death, as he carried his heavy wooden cross through the streets, and as he was nailed to the cross, it was exceptionally realistic, I have to say. And as the cross, it must have been about six metres high, was raised with ropes to its position on the right-hand side of the stage. My heart was heavy as I heard Jesus cry out for the last time, and I felt tears run down my face as I saw Jesus' mother at the foot of the cross with the other woman, when other followers had all melted away 
I felt her pain as any mother would as she looked at her son. And throughout the play, I wondered if I would have been a follower despite everything or been influenced by the crowd hysteria calling for Jesus to be punished for his desire to build God's kingdom on earth. And I looked at the power others thought they had over Jesus, when in actual fact, Jesus bore the power of God. I have three photos from the, um, from the event that I went to, and the first photo, as you'll see, of Jesus. And we don't um, often think about the power that others had around him. Here's all the elders ready to accuse him. The elders in their very intimidating outfits. And, and uh, seeing Jesus coming through the crowds, two and a half thousand people on stage, the people cheering and then jeering at him. And thirdly, we often don't think about Jesus coming down from the cross. We often think about Jesus on the cross, but actually being taken down with his mother beneath him. And throughout the play, I thought about how Jesus had shown himself to be a man for others, a person who had an agenda, God's agenda, to carry forward, a man at home on earth, but in some ways not at home at all. And I saw people originally for him and excited about his message, later reject him. He was clearly a rabbi, a teacher, with the power to question those around him, including the impressive elders in their amazing headgear and gowns. Fearless, Jesus never backed away from conflict over his belief in the grace and power of God. It took the resurrection to turn the proclaimer of truth into the one proclaimed. And as I looked at the crowds around Jesus, there seemed to be several groupings, Furthest away in the outer circle were the, people, were the people trying to figure Jesus out who were easily swayed. Yet he does preach to them, often with parables, stories they can understand and think about. And then closer in I spotted a group of maybe a hundred sincere followers, often travelling companions, who Jesus um, talks to and pushes, and he pushes these people to a deeper level of commitment often with strong words that are very challenging at times. You can't serve two masters. Serve others. Forsake the love of money. Take up your cross. And Jesus repeats one phrase more than any other. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He was indeed challenging to his followers. And then there were the twelve, there almost to the end with him, boasting that they would welcome any sacrifice at all for Jesus. And as I sat in the audience, I asked myself, would I have wanted to join those twelve? Such was Jesus' magnetism that it took only a few words to persuade the disciples to leave their jobs and families and join him. Nonetheless, they, ex they exasperated him always worrying about the next miracle. Can he feed 5,000 people? What about 4,000? And as I looked at the disciples in the play and as I read about them in the Bible, it is their very ordinariness that gives me hope. 
Jesus didn't choose his followers on the basis of perfection or potential for greatness. He surrounded himself with ordinary people, like the ordinary villagers that I saw on the stage, the baker and the butcher and the hotel owner who served our meal at the dinner intermission in his little hotel, dressed as one of Jesus' followers, and then went back on stage for part two. Ordinary people who misunderstood him, <coughs> who failed to exercise much spiritual power, and sometimes didn't look out for people who needed help all around them. <coughs> I cannot avoid the impression... <coughs> Excuse me. I cannot avoid the impression that Jesus preferred working with, as Philip Yancey suggests in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, unpromising recruits, people with a great deal to learn, who also understand that learning and exercising grace are a lifetime journey. And it certainly must have seemed to the author of 2 Timothy in our reading this morning that this young man, Timothy, had a great deal to learn. Timothy was probably really grateful to have advice and insight on how to live his life from someone older than himself who had experience in the ups and downs of life and following Jesus. Even today, knowledge passed on from someone who's been through challenging times who has experienced what we are going through, seems to often have a ring of understanding and truth about it. Our first reading today from 2 Timothy reveals the essence of the path we are called to when we make our choice to follow Jesus. The advice to Timothy stresses that his faith and calling as a Christian are part of who he is. Our faith and calling as a Christian is also the central part of who we are. It's not an add-on to everyday life. It's the critical, central part of our life. Timothy is being exhorted to remain faithful despite all the challenges he faces, and there are clearly many challenges for him, including talking to people about his faith. He was called to guard the good treasure entrusted to him, his faith, and the love and grace given to him, relying on the power of God. When it comes to talking to people about our faith, few people actually feel totally confident about speaking out. Fortunately, living out our faith in the way we communicate and the way we act towards and interact with other people often shows people where our Christian values are centred it's not so much what we say, but how we act towards others in things small and big that is just so important. We may be the only Bible some people ever read, especially given the recent figures from the census indicating more unbelievers than believers in our world. Timothy's mentor in our passage this morning sounds passionate about passing on the importance of having faith and love in Jesus. If you've ever felt a little inadequate in sharing your faith with others, I want you to know that there's some great Christians who have found this very challenging too. Some of you may have heard of a famous pastor called Eugene Peterson. He died just last year at the age of 85 
and was one of the greatest writers and scholars of the Christian faith. But what he's best known for is that he was the person who made the Christian message accessible to millions and millions of people of by, of by translating older versions of the Bible into the Message Bible. If you haven't read it, I actually love some of the words in this Message Bible. It's a really good way to look in a modern way at our Bible readings. Eugene Patterson writes about how he grew up in a very devout Christian home. But when he started in the first grade, a second grade bully named Garrison Johns started picking on him every day. Eugene writes, by the time I got to the first grade, my parents had helped me memorise, bless those who persecute you and turn the other cheek. He knew this was what he was called to do by Jesus, just as we know the Christian message today. He writes, I don't know how Garrison Johns knew, knew that about me, but most afternoons after school, he would catch me and he would beat me up. I found out, he found out I was a Christian and he taunted me with Jesus, sissy, and I arrived home most days bruised and humiliated. My mother told me this had always been the way of Christians in the world and that I'd just better get used to it. She also said I was supposed to pray for him. One day, Eugene writes, I was with seven or eight friends when Garrison caught up with us in the afternoon and started jabbing me. That's when it happened. Something snapped. For a moment, the Bible verses disappeared from my consciousness, and I grabbed Garrison. To my surprise, I was stronger than he was. I wrestled him to the ground, sat on his chest, pinned his arms to the ground with my knees, and he was helpless at my mercy. It was too good to be true. I hit him in the face with my fists. It felt good, and I hit him again. Blood spurted from his nose, a lovely crimson colour in the snow. Remember, this was 80 years ago, and I'm not condoning violence. This is Eugene's story. I said to Garrison, say, uncle. He wouldn't say it. I hit him again. More blood. Then my, Christian, then my Christian training reasserted itself. I said, say I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. He wouldn't say it. I hit him again. More blood. I tried again. I said, say I believe in Jesus Christ as my Christian Saviour. And he said it. Garrison Johns was my first Christian convert. The point is, if you ever feel guilty or inadequate about not knowing how to share your faith and feel you're not doing such a good job of it, then just think of Eugene Peterson. He pretty much set the all-time low, and I suspect nobody here has done worse than him. In our reading from Timothy today, one particular word is used three times in this short section. And that word is ashamed. Three times the author of this passage speaks to Timothy about not being ashamed of his faith. He says, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of passing on your faith. Don't be ashamed when you suffer for him. 
Most Sundays as a church, we come together, we get encouraged, we worship God, we get inspired, we receive our assignments and challenges, then we say, let's just go out and do it. And then we actually just go out and we do do it. We go out in the community and we work and we serve and we show love to other people and we make friends and we give and we volunteer and we do the work of God's kingdom here on earth while we're out in the community. That is what Timothy was being challenged to do, to go and serve no matter what the cost was. And that was what I saw Jesus imploring the crowds and his close followers and disciples to do in the Passion Play in Oberammergau. When I picture Jesus on a huge wooden cross, not 10 metres away from me, as I watched the Passion Play, I realise again and again how little is really asked of each one of us compared with what was asked of Jesus, who calls us, each one of us, to follow him. And to God be the glory.